Hey, you've checked out the Good Advice Podcast, and this is round two. Today's episode, we're bringing back one of your favorite guests. It's Laron Barton. He's an incredibly gifted speaker and author. He talks a lot about race. I wanted to bring him back and get his perspective on what's happening in our country today. This was a great interview. I really enjoyed getting Laron's perspective. Definitely grew me as a person, and I hope it does the same for you. Hey, here comes our round two episode with Laron Barton. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. This is round two, where I bring back some of not just my favorite guests, but your favorite guests. I'm bringing back Laron Barton, who was a guy who came on back in April, who I did not give enough justice to because it was around uh. the time that I had a baby, so I didn't have a chance to really talk about his episode. But Laron, I'm glad to have you back today. How are you doing? Man, like, um, I'm doing really well, man. Like, thank you, uh, thank you for having me back, man. Like, uh... I remember like you and I, we had such a really good, really good conversation because it was just so natural and it was, just, you know, we were just, you know, just kind of like shooting the breeze as if we'd have been knowing each other for like, for like a while. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super juiced to be back. Well, it's, it's exciting, man. Um, it's, I, I love doing the round two series because it, it always feels like the first episode I have with someone, you get like right to the point where it's like, man, things right. are really cooking and, then, and then you're out of time. And so it's fun to have you back. <laughs> For the listeners who maybe if you haven't caught Laurent's first episode, uh, Laurent's a writer. Um, he, he writes about race. He actually is a pretty incredible entrepreneur in his own right. Um, Thank you. Laurent, I, I don't want to steal your thunder. If you want to say anything about yourself before we dive in. You know, um, yeah, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, author, speaker. Um, I write a lot about race, mass incarceration, politics, business, dating, tech. Um, I've written two books. Um, I'm a speaker, TEDx speaker. I've I, uh, participated in workshops of, about race and uh, and, uh, and unconscious bias uh, in uh, in corporate America. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm just um, you know, I'm, I'm always open to have an honest conversation about these things. Yeah. Well, I as soon as George Floyd was murdered, and like really, this dialogue started getting really powerful. You and I had, had sort of touched on it. We, we sure. just only just scratched the surface, but I was like, man, I, I really need to sit down with Laurent again. And so I know, I know you don't have a lot of time. And so I want to, if, if we can, if we can just go ahead and dive right into the dialogue. Um, and man, I, I, don't, I don't really have any questions prepared. I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, because man, I, and I've, said, I've said this before on previous episodes, I have people who listen to this podcast who are from all sorts of backgrounds. They're from all sorts of different um, political backgrounds, different sure. upbringings. And like one of the things that I've tried to do is to tell people, man, if, if something rubs you the wrong way or if you're uncomfortable with something, the right answer is probably to lean into that and like really try to just to try to like figure out, okay, what's going on there. So, so here's a great example of this. So I've grown up in a Bible belt esque type environment here in the South. Whenever we talk about black lives matter or we talk about racial injustices, there is a lot of, um, you know, obviously you have people who are like blatantly racist 
Sure. Then you have people who they aren't necessarily willing to, to tread into that conversation uh, without, without being suspicious of the motive. Like, Oh, that's just a political thing. Oh, that's just a, and, and really what I've seen happen over the last several weeks is people who typically maybe haven't been open to these dialogues are now wanting to lean in. They're wanting to have more conversations Tell me, what has it been like on your end, man? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've had a ton of conversations in the last several weeks. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's been interesting, man. I mean, like there's just been this renewed sense of just people wanting to, people wanting to opine, people wanting to know, you know, what I you know, wanting to know what I think, you know, it's a lot of people, they have been reaching out, you know, you know, rather, you know, rather this to do, you know, uh, talks is to do workshops, you know, or, or just simply like, Hey, you know, um, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, Laron, when you initially talk, you know, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten this twice when you, when you, when you initially talked about this, Laron, I, I didn't agree with you. Now I, now I see what, now I see what you were talking about. And so for that, you know, that's been really cool. I mean, um, I think, I'm. I mean, it can become over. I mean, it can it can become overwhelming. I mean, just you know, that's one that's one part of it, Blake. But the other part of it is just kind of experiencing it. I mean, so you know, I'm a, I'm a black man in America, and so this is what I go through every day. And so to be to sort of be experiencing racism on a regular basis and to see it played out in such a gruesome way. I mean, it could be psychically harmful, you know, it can be like, you know, most, you know, emotionally harmful, you know? And so I, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's, it's been a very emotional time. Yeah. Well, man, and I, I don't know how to ask this question without, <laughs> here's the deal. As, as a white guy, it feels like, it feels like over the last few years, I've caught glimpses of this racial injustice that I, I guess I just haven't really been able to get my hands on in the sense of like, oh, I see it clear as day. So here, here's some examples of this. Like back when uh, Philando Castile was killed, sure. um, I remember seeing that back when it happened, being like, what in the world? That is nuts. But, it, but my thinking never went really beyond that to like there's, there's really, there's deep, institutional problems in our country. And then I, I spent some time in Chicago and was, was talking to a guy who was um, on his coffee table. He had just all these different photographs and he had one from like the 1980s of a black man being lynched. And he was like, did you know that in the 80s uh, that, that that still happened? And I was like, no, I, I would have assumed it would have been, you know, right. uh, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago. And then I was talking to a buddy of mine at my church and he was, who's black. And he was saying, you know, it's really frustrating because anytime I get pulled over, you know, I have, there's all these things I have to think through. Absolutely. And so like all of these, and and so me as a white guy, I'm obviously, I'm not the victim in this. I'm just saying it's, I, I'm almost like ashamed of like the jigsaw puzzle pieces that I keep experiencing. And I don't know why it hasn't clicked more until really these last few years where the pieces have kind of come together. Why does it feel like we can't have this kind of dialogue or like get that well, really I mean, into this? So there's two reasons. So for me, I normally don't, I normally don't, I normally don't talk about race with white people for there's, there's some really good reasons why for one, you, you know, it, 
I mean, we're kind of past having conversations. If you want me to be honest with you, man, I mean, like there needs to be action. Like the thing about the George Floyd murder, like, is like, this is you know, like, this is nothing new. This is something that has been going on for a very long time. It's just that for some reason, it's just a, you know, I don't know if it's due to COVID, if it's due to economic unrest, but like white folks are finally paying it, paying attention. And so you have black folks such as myself that are just very frustrated with, with, with you guys. We're like, why are y'all finally like getting it? That's one thing, right? Two is like, you guys have to like, you like the information is, is out there. Like you can't rely on black folks to constantly tell you like, look, it's, um, I should not have to tell you that the sky is blue, right? It's, it's been documented, right? So what you need to do is you need to research. You need to start reading stuff. You know, because look, check it out. I consider myself to be a pretty good writer, right? But people like James Baldwin, Malcolm X, Fannie Lou Hamer, Ida B. Wells, they have talked about this stuff for years. So, so they talked about it better, better than I could ever talk about it. So I just, and finally, man, it's like when we do have that conversation, right? You know, black people will sort of self-censor themselves because they don't want to come off as the, not as the conversational Negro. And two, white people they bristle at the fact that, okay, you know, racism is systemic and not only is it systemic, but they, but they sort of, they pay attention. I mean, like they sort of take part in it. And so, you know, us as black folks, like we're like, well, you know, we can't make edge of, you know, we can't make headway because every, because every time, you know, we talk about this, it's like, oh man, like yo, like you know, I'm you know, I'm not racist, or or like the white tears happen, and it's just, it's just, it's just frustrating because there's just so much pushback. Mm. So, so how, like, how? Because, because here's what here's what my wife and I were just talking about. Because she, sure. we, we've both, we've both been really, um, man. I, I want to say we've been legitimately like all in on this, right? Um, but it, it sounds like you know, white people for a long time have said that, but uh, you know, just the other day, so she, she, she picked up the book, um, white fragility, white fragility and, um, got some people together who could do kind of like a, a, um, a read through of it and like make sure kind of we're on the same page together. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, basically what ended up happening was there were people who were all in on reading it with her and, after maybe about a month, those people kind of flaked out a little bit. And so I, I guess kind of what I'm getting at is it kind of feels like, um, here's my question. How, you're talking about it's, it's time for action. Like how, how do I as a white person start now being active in that activity conversation rather than it being flavor of the month? Oh, this is the thing I'm going to really get behind and then forget about. Like how, how do I actually play my role well to, 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 to help in some way? That's a really good question. Um, so first off, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I was with my friend Alicia a couple weeks ago and, you know, and, you know, we're just talking like, you know, like, you know, we're down in you know, like, we're downtown San, San Francisco and we're just, you know, two black folks talk, talking about, talking about what's going on. And so um, she said, you know, if white people would just do the inner work, versus you know going to the rallies versus going to the marches versus wearing a black lives matter shirt then 
we wouldn't even be here. And so what we mean by, I'm sorry, what she meant, you know, not that I'm talking for her, but what she meant by the inner work, Blake, is like, you know, white people need to realize that, you know, again, this is, this is systemic. Like racism is more than just you calling me the N word or the police stopping me, you know, for no reason. Uh, you know, the inner work is realizing that this is a systemic issue, realizing that, uh, that you not only benefit from racism, but even if you don't practice it yourself, if you Stand, if you stand back and if you let it just perpetuate, then you are a part of the problem. So what? So first, you need to do the inner work. Secondly, white people need to start calling out racism when when they see it. And so this is why I, I have the hashtag do uh, do something. Um, and and basically, what that is is uh, is that for example, if you're at a family dinner. And if you, if you um, hear a relative, you know, a family member, you know, whoever say or say or do something racist, you need to call that person out. You need to let them know not only that it's racist, but you need to explain to them why it's racist. Because if you don't call it out, this is what happens, right? Two things. It says that you're okay with that, with that behavior. And then it tells that person that their behavior is is okay so you know it's like the saying like it's like the new saying that's popular silence is complacency right and so because of that if you don't move you're still moving you you know so i mean so those are like those are like two basic steps that you need to uh, that you need to do and i mean you know don't you know don't get me wrong you know march you know marching you know going to protest that's cool, but if you're not fighting it in your own home, then uh, then uh, then all that that's not that's not really for nothing, though, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm I'm sure it doesn't help that you know on a on a national landscape, um, having this kind of conversation and leaning in, it's not being encouraged by the the highest echelons of our government. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's probably that that's probably what even makes it even more toxic is we can't even, we can't even have the dialogue without people being so vocally, um, vocally, uh, just strong willed about shutting it down and, um, closing it out. And, um, I'm sure that's, that's frustrating for you as well. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it's interesting how it's interesting how people will not actually, I was just talking to a guy who, um, uh, another guy who goes to my church who's black and we were just having this dialogue and he said, literally the most frustrating thing is I have people who I can't even have a conversation with because right. they're so, they're so far gone politically that they, we can't even broach the conversation without guard being up for, you know, without them thinking there's some political angle. Um, and he said, when realistically, I just, I just care that my son is is going to live a good life like that's all i'm, I'm trying to talk about is that you know my right. son's going to be safe you know, my boys are going to be safe people are going to be safe i mean that and, and so i and i don't know where you go from there other than i guess like you said we call it out and we try to root it out yeah exactly man i mean it's like you know that's that's what we need to do man is like you know we need to you know people need to stop being afraid man i mean look when you start calling stuff out right 
you know, you're going to lose friends. You know, people are going to say to you, oh, man, you know, it, um, you know, it was just a joke or, you know, why are you taking stuff so seriously? But it's like there's so much toxic behavior around racism. There's just so much cowardice. And it's like, well, you know, you need to, you know, you need to step up. Like, so here's the thing, right? Like, I, I have quite a few friends that are LGBTQ, right? Two of my closest guy friends in San Francisco are LGBTQ, right? And, you know, I love those, love those two men very, very, very dearly. If I love them like the, like, like the way that I say I do, then you can't be around me and say gay slurs. You can't be around me and make gay and make gay jokes because I'm gonna call it out. And if I don't call it out, then then I'm then I'm lame and I'm a hypocrite, man. I mean, yeah. so it's just like you have to walk it like you talk it, man. Yeah. Well, I like what you said about you know silence is is being complicit. I think that's a really accurate way to put it. Um, you know, something else you mentioned just in the intro that you, you write a lot about mass incarcerations. And it's funny, I literally just read an article yesterday morning that was talking about how um, some news site was reporting that black men are being, um, uh, the charges they're being given compared to their white counterparts in terms of being people participating in protests and, and what have you, like people who, who are being arrested and charged with things, that it's significantly harsher. Uh, the data is suggesting it's significantly harsher for black men right now. Uh, I know you have a have a personal uh, passion around talking about incarcerations. Um, it's it's and again, I don't I don't know where I'm going with this question, other than sure. it, it just brings me back to this whole institutionalized system that that a lot of us are blind to, but kind of like you pointed out, reaping the benefits of if we aren't willing Absolutely. to say something about. So you know, so I'm really happy that you that 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 you brought it up, and I'm glad that you framed it from the perspective of black men because the mass incarceration problem in this country is a black male problem, and I'll tell you why. So there are roughly maybe eight hundred thousand black men incarcerated in the United States, maybe more, you know, maybe a little bit less, but let's just use that round number of eight hundred thousand, right? So for every hundred thousand men. So I'm sorry, for every 100,000 people locked up, 8,000 of them are men. I said people. I said women women and men of all races. There are more black men locked up in America than there are women in England, China, just various parts of, of, of Asia. Like, we've locked up so many black men that it's generations of, of just us are just gone. And so... This is why you have things such as, okay, well, we're the least employed. We are the least enrolled in school. You know, we have the uh, least job mobility. All these things feed into each, each other. This is why I say racism, white supremacy is a system. So, you know, systems, it's hard for people to, to get around that because see, here's the thing, right? Like racism exists but nobody's a racist and that's, and, and that's not possible. It's like, you can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and not have the peanut butter. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? I'm, 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 I mean, it's like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, is it, is it, cause I, I'm like, I'm thinking about that statement. And so now I'm thinking, you know, it obviously it leads into the, the whole conversation of like unconscious bias and, um, 
you know, I'm even thinking of myself. I'm thinking like, what are my tendencies? What are my biases that I'm totally blind to? Because I guess it's 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 like you're saying, when we think of a racist, we think of like the totally, you know, um, the mo- the worst form of that word, and we don't always realize. Now, here's here's how I'm actually contributing to the racism conversation by my own actions, my own mistakes, my own unwillingness to speak up or my un- uh, unwillingness to change. You know, it's 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 a um, I don't know, man. It feels like the light bulb is clicking on faster for some people than the other. Sure. Yeah, no, you know, so, you know, like my friend, Dr. Vibe, he always said, you know, you have to meet people where they are. Right. And so, you know, some people are going to get it quicker than others, man. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a learning process. I think that, so what I'm going to say may be a little controversial, but you have some black people that just will not have this conversation and, you know, and, you know, you got to respect that because, because again, like a lot of us feel like we've been, you know, saying this over and over and over and over and over for white folks. And, you know, just the fact that you guys are just now coming to the party, man. I mean, it's like, yo, like, you know, we're kind of over it, you know, some mm. like, you know, I always use this, you always use this quote, like, you know, Tony Morrison once said, I can't be the doctor and the patient. So I can't live this and tell you how to treat me. Like, it's just, I'm so busy trying to survive in this system that I don't have time to show you how to be a better white person. Like that, yeah, it, right. it sounds ridiculous. So, no, yeah. so, you know, what I always recommend to, you know, well-meaning white people is to, um, to, uh, participate in anti-racist white organizations. I, you know, I think Surge is a really cool organization standing up for racial justice. It's just a bunch of really cool white folks who really want to fight racism. And, you know, and it's not, it's, I don't think that they have any black members. And that's because, you know, even like, you know, you mentioned the book, White Fragility, right? So that book is popular because it's a white woman talking to white people. And there's a certain way really that white folks want to be talked to when it comes to race. And so uh, Dr. D'Angelo does that very, does that very well. That book is not for me or for any other marginalized, you know, racialized group, but that book is specifically for white people. So. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, I'm trying to talk about it carefully too, because I'm, you know, I, I think it's, it, it would be a huge mistake for a white person to now basically be saying, oh, wow, this is so hard, like figuring this out. Oh, this is right. so hard. Cause, cause obviously it's not about just imagine living it. Yeah, exactly. It's not about, <laughs> not that I'm speaking from, <laughs> right, right. I, I keep thinking to myself, it's not about me. You know, it's not about like, right. you know, it's not about like the pain of like, oh man, that's a bias I have. It's not about me and about, you know, oh, that's so hard for me. It's, it's okay. Now I need to move past sort of the light bulb moment and actually find those actionable steps because like you pointed out, I mean, yeah, try living it, right? And so I, I think my concern is that we as white people would just, um, dude, I don't know if this is like cliche to say steal the thunder, but I mean, people who I've talked to who are like, oh, this has been so hard to like navigate. I'm like, man, it's, it's really not about you. You know, it's really, as a white person, it's not really about you as a white person. It's, it's, it's like, what do we do now? Like, what, right. what, do the, what do the conversations look like? How are we having conversations? And I don't know, man. I, it's, it's just, it's interesting for sure. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Well, uh, well, like you know, it's interesting to to just see just like a whole swath of whites just just ve- just being very uh, being very uh, very interested in this. You know. Yeah. Are you are you are you not suspicious? Sounds is like the wrong word, but like are you? Um, and even cynical sounds like the wrong word, but but that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, are you are you um, maybe curious is the better word. Are you, as you're seeing people like really kind of rally around this, are you curious as to like where this goes or if it's legitimate or sincere or? So, you know, so like a friend of mine, well, like, I shouldn't call it like a, a colleague of mine, we, we were talking about this and, uh, and I said, you know, this is a litmus test. And she said, you know, Laurent, uh, with all due respect, I don't agree with that. The litmus test is six months from now. You, you dig? So it's like six months from now, will white people still be as passionate, as engaged as they are? And so, you know, that's that's what we'll be looking at. Um, I mean, it's like it's you can see the energy kind of dissipating right now. Right. I mean, you know, which is, you know, it's you know, it's natural. Like, you know, people, you know, people get fatigued. But it's like, are they are the folks who are enraged? Are they still going to be? Uh, dedicated. And so, you know, that's the thing. So for me, like, it's hard for me to, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to hold the well-meaning white person because the fact that historically white people just have not been there. So I'm like, well, like I was talking with a friend of mine and, you know, we were talking about this, this thing. And I'm sorry, actually two friends. One of them said, don't ask for who the bell tolls, you know, just, 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 just go for it. And I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And another friend of mine said, you know, we, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, this sincerity and she said, well, do, well, Laurent, do they have to be sincere? And I said, wow, you know, my, you know, my friend Alicia, she always says these great things. And, and, and so I thought to myself, I said, wow, I guess they don't need to be sincere to really make a, make a mm-hmm. dent to, to have them do what, do what we need to do. I mean, it's like people, um, for so many reasons, people will opt to do things that may not be, um, the reasons why, but just that they're doing it should be good enough. And, I can see where she's coming from. I'm just a really inquisitive dude where it's like, I'm like, I'm always asking why, mm. but you know, why ask, but you know, like why ask why? Right. Mm. I mean, you know, at, you know, at the end of the day, as, as long as it gets, as long as, as it gets done. Right. Yeah. But I know a lot of people listen to this podcast or they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners. Sure. Um, I mean, I'd be curious what your perspective, your insight is on their responsibility as a business owner um, and, and more, you know, I, I don't know what that actionable looks like other than my wife and I, we were talking about, you know, it's, it's, there are so many businesses out there who are, um, promoting BLM and, and there's nothing wrong with, with them promoting it, but sure, sure, sure. But then there's this other conversation, Joy and I, we had a business send out an email that said, Hey, here's how we've been supporting black lives for the last decade. And that really meant a lot. So we were like, wow, like this. Right. That's, we want that to be true about us. Like not just like right. flavor of the month we're in it. So like, what do, what do we as business owners, entrepreneurs, innovators, you know, um, 
startup founders, what does it look like to be, you know, obviously invested in our businesses, but also active and progressive in the conversation that's happening right now? Um, I think that uh, one of, I, I think that one of the ways to do that is to be, um, is to uh, amplify and listen and to support black voices. Um, I, I think it's really important that we, um, that, so a lot of times like, you know, white people will like censor them, themselves in, in this conversation. And so, you know, what I would advise you all to do is to just sit back, listen, take in, take in everything. Don't be so quick to just, you know, try to bogart the conversation. Um, you know, I, you know, I, you know, obviously jobs, you know, um, jobs are important. Donations are important. I mean, the thing about the, uh, the, the lovely thing about the movement, Blake, is there's so many ways to, to be involved, you know, you know, people, you know, obviously, you know, the movement needs money and like, you know, the movement needs platforms, you know, people need, you know, people should protest, people should, should, uh, should, should organize, you know, I mean, it, it's, so I'm gonna keep it real with you. It's got to be more than a book than a book club. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's it's nothing wrong with it's nothing wrong with uh, with reading. But it's like at the end of the day, it's got to be action. And so if you are an entrepreneur, you know, people should lead by example. So if you have a company, you should like make strides to make sure that people are included, not just for, you know, not just for, not just for window dressing. You know, a, a friend of mine said a lot of diversity, you know, DI stuff is, uh, it's a uh, past season's window dressing. Uh, my friend Neha said this, said, I'm sorry, Neha said that. And that's true. Like, you know, just don't collect black folks just to look good, you know, actually empower people because mm-hmm. when people are empowered, like, people become invested and when people become invested they believe and when people believe they will do what they can to make sure that your business is is the best that it can be i love it man great words to end with man i love it well fantastic what's we're running out of time what's what's next for you man i always like to give people an opportunity to talk about what they're working on you know what you can um, jump into so like i'm actually working I'm working on two TEDx speeches, so um, you know, I'm I'm memorizing one. I I gotta write another one. Um, and you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements. I'm uh, you know, definitely talking to some from some to some folks ab- about um about you know coming out. I mean, well, I'm sorry, not coming out, but virtually speaking and doing and and doing workshops and um, just, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, still writing. I mean, like um, I like a essay that I wrote for this magazine called seven by seven. It's a San Francisco mag- magazine. I, I always want to try to do some local it's out. It's about the talk. It's a, the talk is a conversation that black parents have with their, with their children about race and what they need to do when they are stopped by the, stopped by the, stop by the police mm. so yes and you know just you know con- continue to write continue to talk on dope platforms like this man and uh, just you know keep moving you know yeah well Lon, R- Laron, i know um we had to kind of get this meeting together uh, we a couple of times so i i just appreciate you making time today 
Yeah, man. Like, you know, definitely look Blake, man. Like I always like, I, I was like talking, I was like talking with you, man. Like, you know, this is, you know, it's always good times and uh, yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's good. Uh, it's good stuff, man. You know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. And uh, for the listeners, we'll, uh, we'll put some, uh, a link to maybe Laurent's LinkedIn profile. Is that the best place for people to follow up? With yes. You? Yes, sir. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, sir. Please. Great. Okay. Well, Laurent, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Blake, man, uh, Blake, you, uh, you take care. Be, uh, be well and be safe. Thank you, sir. Uh, for listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. That's round two. We'll catch you later. See ya.